The Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show which talks to Christian leaders about the topics that really matter. I'm Andy Peck. The subject of guilt is one of those topics we might expect to be part of the average Christian's ABC. Our guilt has been dealt with by Christ. The book of Romans reminds us that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But many still live with the feelings of guilt, and Christian leaders are certainly not immune. Indeed, in some cases, Christian ministry can bring underlying issues out into the open. I'm joined this week on the Leadership File by Will van der Hart. He's the pastoral chaplain of Holy Trinity Brompton, a London-based church well known as the home of Alpha. He's also the director of the Mind and Soul Foundation, and co-author of The Guilt Book, published by IVP. He recently wrote an article for Christianity magazine on this theme. So welcome, Will, to the Leadership File. And it's great to be here. Um, your, your journey into Christian leadership, first of all, just to well, get um, some context. I come from an evangelical mm. church uh, called St. Neers Evangelical Church mm. near, in Cambridgeshire. Yes. Um, left there and I went to be a, a youth pastor in a school in North Wales for my gap year, mm. uh, which was a great year, actually, uh, and fantastic time, really deep in my faith. Then I went off to university and really lost my way, as mm. so many do, unfortunately. Um, and in my fourth year, I began to sort of re-explore my faith again. Um, and then I became school teacher in the West Country, and um, I had an incredible encounter with God on, on a new wine conference during one of the summer holidays. That totally transformed uh, my mm. life and my experience of God, and um, I very quickly felt called into Christian ministry. Mm. And then I studied at Wycliffe Hall in Oxford for three years, mm. and um, and then I started ministry here in London as curate at St Mary's Branson Square, and then associate vicar there. Mm. Done six years uh, leading St Peter's in West Harrow wow. before becoming pastoral chaplain at Holy Trinity Bompton. Wow. So I've done 10 years ordained ministry in London. Good stuff. And, and at some point along the way, you, you met Lucinda? I met Lucinda at a second time, uh, second university. Um, so the first time at university, I went through that like a shot and then working world and then went back to university amazingly and met Lucinda, who was an undergraduate. And uh, I met her. Uh, in the dining room of my college having an argument with stuffy vicars about why modern art was really valuable. Uh, they were all saying it was rubbish, and she was fighting the corner, and I, I thought that's uh, just the right woman for me. So, <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Well, splendid stuff. So now, you wrote a splendid piece in Christianity magazine about guilt, um, and I'd encourage listeners to access it. You can access it online. Um, and I don't want to go line by line through the article, but but it does raise some themes Um and their potential relevance for Christian leaders. Um, so maybe we can define what we're talking about first. Because um, as I hinted in the introduction, the Bible makes it clear that we are uh, not guilty in the courts of heaven through faith in Christ. That's the uh, Romans eight eight one. But we don't always feel what we know to be true in our in our psyche in our um, the, the inner parts of us. Absolutely, that's right, Andy. I mean, what, one of the things that gives me great consolation is the fact that I know I'm forgiven by Christ. And actually, there's no condemnation mm. awaiting me because Christ's blood has covered me. Mm. Um, and that is good news. <laughs> that is the good news <laughs> of the gospel. And that's good news for every Christian person. Mm. But of course, we know that what we will experience in heaven and what is true in the heavenly realms mm. doesn't always permeate to our temporal experience. So we know that we are conquerors, and mm. yet we aren't always conquerors. Mm. Uh, we know that we are um, renewed in our minds, and yet we aren't always renewed 
in our minds and on this life. We know that we have a heavenly inheritance, mm. and yet we don't always experience that inheritance now. We know we have the riches of heaven at our disposal, but actually <laughs> many of us live in abject poverty. Mm. So, so the, the nature of what we, what we know is true um, and our experience of that truth mm. are often different. That doesn't mean that the truth that my sins are forgiven is not my reality. It is my reality. However, my mind, my broken body, and my broken mind don't mm. always accept what is spiritually true. And so we have this um, challenge uh, with guilt particularly. Now, in a lot of areas of life, Christians are happy to concede that their temporal experience doesn't match their eternal reality. Mm. But when it comes to guilt, they're very, very nervous. Because if you start talking about guilt and saying, I feel very guilty... People are nervous that it disempowers the very nature of the gospel to concede that whilst I am a forgiven person, I still feel bad about myself. The thing is, God's forgiven me like that through Christ. Mm. The real journey here is, have I forgiven myself? And when Jesus says uh, that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, Mm. all our mind, all our understanding... And love our neighbours ourselves. We we can we can recognise that bit. And when we pray the Lord's prayer and we say, uh, "Forgive me my sins, as I forgive those mm. who sinned against me," we can we can we can accept that bit. Well, when we start talking about self forgiveness or self love, that's when we really tend to struggle. Oh, certainly a group of people tend to struggle. So, our experience can be that we are fully forgiven people mm. who do not stand under condemnation who know full well that Christ loves them and that they will not face <coughs> judgment yeah. uh, and condemnation by God yeah. and yet still feel desperately guilty within yeah okay well let's we'll, we'll unpack, unpack this a bit more as we as we talk I'm sure um uh, so talk about the role that conscience plays in all this that the good role and the perhaps the bad role of our conscience well Christian conscience is um, a very specific animal, if you mm. like. Um, we know that human conscience is is fallen and is broken, mm. and um, we, we we have reference to the renewing of the mind and the mm. sharpening of the conscience. and And the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Scriptures, the work of the Church, is in part seeing a renewal in in mm. the conscience, and the, and that seeing the conscience match up with the values with the truth of God Himself. Mm. Um, you can at the same time have a conscience which is overly sharp, mm. and a conscience in a conscience in error is typically presumed to be a conscience that is is blunt, that doesn't feel when we are wrong. Mm. But actually, a conscience in error is also a heightened conscience mm. which doesn't feel when we are right. And if you <laughs> think about Paul's response to the Galatian church, mm. for example. His letters to Galatia particularly challenge a sort of religiosity, a, a kind of scrupulous outlook where married couples were abstaining from sexual relations because they felt that that was sinful when actually that was part of God's created order, mm. where there was a new circumcision being brought in, a new sort of legalism to assuage people's conscience and their sense of inclusion. And Paul's saying this is, you know, this is a falsehood. Interestingly, there are Christian leaders throughout the ages who've responded to this very Mm. issue and Spurgeon writes about this illness of conscience Um, Wesley Brothers write about this illness of conscience Uh, Whitfield writes about this illness of conscience and and they 
they have incredible sympathy for the Christian who's plagued and blighted by guilt. Mm. But somewhere along the line, I think about a hundred years ago, the church stopped talking about this stuff. Mm. And the reason is, I think, that that when the new school of psychoanalysts appeared, when the Freuds and the Jungs started appearing, there was a huge danger that they began to analyse away guilt. Mm. But guilt is a gift from God. True guilt is a gift from God because true guilt points us to the cross and it points us to the only salvation that we can receive. Hmm. However, if we're so nervous about talking about what we call false guilt, then Christians just apply the the same medicine to both hmm. both ill, sure, ills. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll, we won't come back. Um, but I mean, you you talk about true and false guilt, and um, there's. Uh, I, I mean, I would I would guess that um, there are some Christian leaders who who've been in the sort of trying to trying to evaluate their life and their work sometimes, and um, and and know that they feel bad because in Christian ministry there's there's a great um, a great opportunities, there's people in need, there's the you know there's the needs of the unevangelized and what have you, and there's that sense of you know what can I do, and you can feel under a sense of burden of, of, of what we would call false guilt. Yeah. Um, and they, for some, that's a motivation to them. Yeah, I think there's two things going on there, Andy. I mean, every leader feels like a fraud. Mm. I mean, every leader I've ever met, and I've counselled a lot of leaders, <laughs> and I feel like a fraud. Mm. The thing is, the only person who's worthy of the work is mm. Jesus himself. Yes. The only one who's good enough <laughs> is Jesus. He's the only one who's good enough to represent God because he is God. Mm-hmm. And, and yet... He has called broken people like you and me into ministry to do his work. Mm. And he sanctified us by his blood for works prepared in advance for us to do. Mm-hmm. Yet our, our, our psyche still struggles with that reality. Mm. And you can see that in the disciples, their sense of unworthiness. I mean, Peter's sense of unworthiness, it kind of permeates the whole of the New Testament. Mm. Um, but they are made worthy. Mm. It's sort of me, Lord. <laughs> and even in the Old Testament prophets, you know, think about Isaiah when he receives his commission in chapter six. You know, um, I'm a man of unclean mm. lips, yes, you know, yes. like, how could I possibly do this work for mm. you? And th- that's been the experience through, throughout the ages. Mm. The fact is we're called, but we don't often believe that we are mm. sanctified for the work mm. that we do. And that's where trust comes in. The difficulty for Christian leaders often is that there's a high level of projection. Everyone perceives or believes that Christian leaders are perfect Mm. because Christ is perfect. But Christian leaders aren't Christ. Christ dwells within them and they're still those broken vessels. And so Christian leaders can tend to try and hide their weakness. Mm. And actually they can suffer from a deep sense of burdening guilt and shame. And of course, no Christian leader enters ministry age 25 and then doesn't make any mistakes until they're 95 and they've gone to heaven. Mm. Like Christian leaders live a broken life and that broken reality. But very often what's perceived of them on the stage versus what they experience in their hearts are two, two quite different things. And false guilt can really gnaw away at Christian leaders. Mm. And lots of Christian leaders get stuck even before ministry, even before conviction and conversion. Mm-hmm. And they say, how can I possibly be in ministry given what I've done in the past? Mm-hmm. If you actually probe what they've done in the past, it's very normal, or mm-hmm. they're the mistakes of life. Yeah. Yet they feel that they're sort of somehow excluded, not from God, because they know God loves them, and they know mm-hmm. God's forgiven them, but they fear the exclusion of others, and more importantly, they fear the exclusion of them, their own selves. Yeah. And this harsh conscience that critiques the inner self <coughs> is a plague really 
I mean, it, you could spiritualize it. It says that the devil is has there's two names. The devil one is the deceiver. He's a liar. And one is the accuser. He mm. accuses. And so you could spiritualize the conscience, the broken human conscience, and says the devil wants to both disempower the Christian, particularly the leader, by accusing him mm. uh, and by deceiving him. Mm. And false guilt is a good way to do that. Sure. Well, you're listening to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Will van der Hart. Uh, he's the author of, uh, or co-author of The Guilt Book, published by IVP. We'll be back just after this. And welcome back to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Will van der Hart. He's the head of pastoral care at Holy Trinity Brompton and also the co-author of The Guilt Book, published by IVP. We were talking about the, the topic of guilt, um, particularly uh, false guilt and that uh, often Christian leaders may face and find uh, within, their, within their ministries. Um, Will, we've talked about a little bit about how Christian leaders may respond to the challenges that they face. Um, talk a little bit perhaps about how the church culture can can create a, an atmosphere of guilt amongst its its um, you know parishioners, if you like, or the attendees. Yeah. Well, if you read the New Testament, you see that Christ is come for liberation. Mm. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free, mm. um, and and Jesus' ministry is very powerful both to the poor and the, the bereaved and the afflicted, but also to the religious. And you know we don't talk very much about Jesus. Jesus assailing the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and the, the temple officials, but he really does. I mean, it's pretty brutal. It's very mm. direct. It's clear, I think, that Jesus has come to, um, to create, he says, I've not called you slaves or servants, I've called you friends. Uh, and he seems to be undermining um, a, a sort of an establishment which was hierarchical and guilt-laden. And yet the church has not always upheld his teaching by creating very strong guilt-laden culture you can control people very easily um guilt is control you know and <laughs> and we we reference catholic guilt where i, mean, I think that i love the catholic church but there's a, there's a particular disorder that's mm. called catholic guilt where um there's a sense that actually as long as people feel guilty they they are submissive they retain position and um yeah, that's a that's a disease of conscience, really. Mm -hmm. I think every church has is in danger of um, creating what we call a guilt induction culture. That's a culture that tends to control people by making people feel guilty. Mm. So you're not giving enough, you're not committing enough, mm. you're not singing loud enough, mm. uh, you're not attending enough. It's never enough. It's never ever enough. Mm. And I think. And that's a sad thing. We should feel joy about coming into fellowship with one another. Life is hard. Life is busy. Mm. Life is burdened. But um, the church should be a place of relief and release and freedom, a place of joy. Of course, it needs to be a place of order. But there's a danger. And we, you know, we reference in the book the sort of heavy shepherding culture. Mm. And really, I think underneath that is the idea that that really you should be perfect. And if you're not perfect, then you're not really included. When actually, if you look at Jesus again, Jesus goes out, spends his time with prostitutes, tax collectors and sinners. And it's the sort of guilt inducing people, the scrupulous people who are saying, you know, if he really was, you know, a, a real teacher, if he really was a prophet, he'd mm. know who these people are. And Jesus knows full well who those people are. But he wants to spend his time with them. And what Jesus doesn't do, he doesn't make the he doesn't make the guilty feel more guilty. He makes the guilty feel free. Yeah. And I think the best of church is when we 
rest in the sanctifying grace of Jesus Christ and when we actually come alive because our guilt is assaged. Now, this is, again, Andy, true guilt being truly assaged. Mm. False guilt is a culture which suggests that you should feel guilty, but actually there are no actions behind you Mm. which mitigate or which (coughs) justify that kind of guilt. So this is the kind of, this is the delicate point of our book, really, Mm. is that we've worked really hard to make sure that we give an orthodox defense of the only, um, the the value of true guilt, that true Mm. guilt points us to a true savior where we can receive true and eternal forgiveness. But we have to park that agenda and recognize that we, we, we've dealt with that if we can really move on to deal with mm. this area of false guilt or what psychological, the psychological word calls neurotic guilt. Mm. Um, to give you an example, I mean, I was talking to a priestly friend of mine who, who's from a, a more Catholic tradition. He receives confessions. A woman came, knocked on his door, asked to come in. Could he hear her confession? He heard her confession. She felt relieved in conscience. She went away again. The next day she came back and knocked on the door again and said, can you hear another confession? She confessed roughly the same things that she confessed the day before. Anyway, after four days of her coming back for a a subsequent confession, (laughs) he was trying to reason with her that actually she was forgiven and that actually she'd already confessed this stuff and there was nothing new and that she shouldn't feel guilty anymore. The trouble was her guilt was false. It wasn't real. Mm. You know, all confessed sin is sin that's been dealt with. And a lot of stuff that doesn't need confessing that isn't really sin prompts the mind to believe that it does mm-hmm. need to be and it is real sin. And that stuff is, is really what false guilt is. Now, if you've got a, a disease and I give you the medicine that you need for that disease, you'll mm. get better. Yeah. But if you haven't got that disease mm. and I give you that same medicine, are you going to get better? No, of course you're not. Mm. And that's true with true guilt and false guilt. So people who feel true guilt need the right medicine and the only medicine for true guilt is a crucified savior but if i apply the good news of jesus christ to false guilt mm. if you've not done anything wrong or if your guilt has already been dealt with your true mm. guilt has already been dealt with does the cross work so imagine Andy, in your mind you made up something or you you were parking your car this morning and you thought that you might have bumped the bumper of the person in mm. front of mm. you you didn't but you thought you might have then you come in here and say, well, I feel terribly guilty. I think I might have bumped the bumper of the car in front. I'm not sure, but I think I might have done. But I didn't leave a note. And now I feel terrible about it. Mm. Now I say, well, Andy, you know, we need to confess your sins to the Lord. So let's confess that sin mm. and receive forgiveness. Have you been forgiven? Well, you didn't need to be forgiven. <laughs> no. So you haven't been forgiven. No. And actually, the reassurance that you receive from the cross isn't, isn't the, doesn't have the efficacy that it does if you've really done something wrong. And lots and lots of people tend to use kind of the pr- prayer of forgiveness like a lucky charm, yeah. just in case they've done something wrong. Or their mind um, elevates or exaggerates mm. what has actually happened. And they say things like, oh, I, I know God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. Mm. Or even... When people have done significant things wrong, things that they do naturally and appropriately feel a level of shame about, Mm. but then can't leave that behind and actually say, I have been forgiven and I'm willing to forgive myself. Now, this is the point at which a biblical but also psychological approach can really help. Mm. Because there is actually a psychological disorder, (laughs) um, which is... um, 
uh, recognized within the psychological community. It's called scrupulosity. Mm. Some people call it obsessive compulsive disorder or responsibility guilt disorder. Um, and that is, a, you know, it's actually an illness of the mind. It's not anything to do with your spiritual reality. And there are grey areas here. I'd say we all struggle with the mind mm. and we all struggle with the things of the spirit. But you can use certain tools to really help to relieve a burden of false guilt and then begin to live free, which, you know, I, I think is what Jesus called us to. Sure. And actually, if we can release leaders to really live in freedom, then imagine the power of their ministry, what that would really look like. Yeah. Leading out of a place of false guilt is not a good place to lead from i don't think mm-hmm. we've, we've you've hinted at you know some some truth that we need to to appropriate and if like yeah. grace grace itself is outrageous and, yeah. and we, we, we sometimes struggle to believe it because yeah. you know we think we should give ourselves a hard time and god yeah. doesn't um but um but and just in the, in the closing minutes presumably you know for some folk it, it probably is going to be talking one-on-one with someone who's trained in this area would that be a reasonable assumption yeah i I think that there is a there's a real danger that when we go and see our Christian friend and we say I feel guilty, mm. they feel like the only thing they can say is we need to pray for forgiveness mm-hmm. or actually you're already forgiven and you're not really accepting your forgiveness, so feel more guilty. Right, yes. <laughs> um, there is a danger with, I mean, certainly particularly with the obsessive um, thinking and this mm. sort of psychological light experience um, that people misconstrued what's really mm. going on. Now, the listeners who are struggling with guilt as a persistent experience will know whether or not what they're really dealing with is true or mm. whether it is false. Mm. We all have, I think, within us some sense that actually I don't think this is really an issue, but at the same time I can't let it go. If you're listening and you're one of those sort of people, mm. then it can be really worth investigating this issue a little bit further. And, mm. of course, I'm here. I want to recommend the, the guilt book mm. to you. Mm. Um, which has just come out, but equally, if you can't afford it or if you don't mm. want to spend on it or if you want to find mm. out whether you'd like it or not, have a look at the mindandsoul.info website. Mm-hmm. And um, we've got a lot of articles about guilt. There's a there's an hour-long talk about false guilt and true guilt on there, and, and that will tell you whether or not the book is for you, I think. Mm. Um, so I want to recommend that to you. But I, I would say be cautious about that first advice. If you want to be sure, why not pray the sinner's prayer again mm. once and for all? Do an absolute cover-all and say, God, I'm just not sure that I've been forgiven. I still feel guilty about these things. I'm going to draw a line in the sand today, and I'm going to name everything before you. Now, if after that point you feel terribly guilty about things that you've already confessed, then you have a problem with guilt. And therefore, you need to look at how you can approach guilt in new ways to find a greater recovery. And this isn't about exchanging core Christian theology for some sort of psychobabble light. Mm. This is about recognizing that the core of life comes through faith in Christ. But in order to live free, sometimes we have to fight some battles in the mind and accept things that are true, but they aren't true in our experience. What we want to see is the church liberated from guilt. We want to see people really celebrating life in Christ and the forgiveness that Christ offers and not get caught up in these spirals of thinking that can be so disempowering. Wonderful, Will. Well, thank you so much. Well, just to, to uh, underline again, it's um, the book is The Guilt Book. The subtitle is A Path to Grace and Freedom. It's by Will van der Hart and Rob uh, Waller. It's uh, published by IVP. 
Um, and the website again, the mine and sold dot info. So info yeah. is where you can get from further information if this is a particular topic that you need to explore yourself, either for yourself or for those that you know. So thank you so much, Will, for, for un- unpacking this. And, uh, you know, may God, uh, may we all know uh, his peace and forgiveness. And if you're a leader and you've struggled in this area, may, um, may God uh, um, bring new light to you in order that you may um, know his freedom afresh. Do uh, log on to Premier's own website, www.premier.org.uk, and you can listen to archive versions of Leadership File, including this one in due course. I look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk.